Hey Joe, this is Jason. I just want to let all your listeners know, in one of your previous episodes, I went down the lineage of the TSR D&Ds, and I made comparative statements saying some are objectively better than others. And I just want to let everybody know that was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Really, if you and your group enjoy a game, it's the right game for you guys. And I don't think anybody's playing the wrong game or anything like that. There are editions I like better than other editions for various reasons, but that doesn't mean that you're wrong to play the games I don't particularly enjoy. So I just want to make it clear out there that I'm not saying they're bad games or or that the groups are wrong for playing different games than I'm playing. So I just want to make that clear in case there was any misconceptions about that. If your group enjoys the game, then it's a good game for you and your group. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games, because sometimes they're absolutely bananas. That was Jason Connerly there at the top of the show, clearing the air. Because Jason, much like myself, talks a lot of shit sometimes. And for, for me, and I imagine for Jason, we're hardly ever really serious, right? Like, that's why I preface Jason's breakdown of the history of the editions of D&D by saying it was a completely non-judgmental, non-biased <laughs> breakdown. Because I knew he was just messing around. And so I just, he wanted to clear the air and I wanted to make sure everyone out there knew that he wasn't, he wasn't trashing anybody's games. I talk a lot of trash about AD&D, but I don't really mean it, right? And I don't think that anyone playing AD&D is doing anything wrong or anything. Like, more power to you. If you like AD&D, that's cool. But, um, yeah, so just, just to make that clear. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah, today we got a couple calls. We got one more from Jason and one from uh, Mr. Henchman talking more about shields. But then, then the real meat of the episode is to talk about this totally insane session of Curse of the Crimson Throne I just had. It was probably, it ended up being one of the gnarliest sessions I've ever been a part of. So stay tuned for that. Uh, it was... It was cuckoo bananas. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the calls. Up first, we got Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So take it away, Jason. Hey, Joe. Jason here. Don't beat yourself too much. The game was fun. The Pathfinder 2 game. It, it, you didn't ruin it or anything. It's just a matter of learning things. And now you know, so you won't, you know, won't happen again. So it's not a big deal. Um, as far as the Rules Cyclopedia and Shields... Yeah, looking through it, it looks like the only class that would matter for is the druids. Druids can wear leather armor and they can use a wooden shield. So for a druid, it would make sense for them to have a shield. But everybody else can use a shield, can wear all the armor types. But all good to go. I'm definitely looking forward to that game. Take care. Talk to you soon. Yeah, Jason, it, it totally was a learning experience. Like I said at the end of the last episode, you know, I, I was hard on myself, but in the end, I came to the conclusion that, yeah, you know, it's all learning. I won't do it again. But I did get another suggestion over Discord for a workaround. That was a really good idea, I thought. So I wanted to share that. And you could put 
the uh the character's initiative score uh in their in the little bubbles above the tokens on roll 20 you know how there's those three little circles where you can put in your hit points or your armor class or whatever you could also put in their initiative score in one of those bubbles and then when you copy and pasted the token that score would go over i mean you'd still have to then add them back into the initiative order the initiative tracker on roll 20 but i thought that was a pretty clever workaround um i ended up the next day after that session you know because i was still kind of thinking about it ended up rearranging the maps i figured out i i made a much bigger map right uh and a thing that I did that seemed to work, not perfectly, but I was able for the most part to just copy and paste. Like I could go to the, you know, I'd go to one of the smaller maps onto the map layer, copy that, go back to the main map and make a bigger map and paste it in and then copy and paste the different layers. It doesn't work perfectly, but it works well enough that it saved me a ton of work. So I was like, oh, awesome. I was able to do that for the maps I had already built. And then moving forward, I just know I have to make monster maps, you know, big, big maps. Uh, some some of the places, you know, it's going to have to be multiple maps. But then I just won't roll every initiative at once because that was a little too ambitious for me anyway. <laughs> I thought it would speed things up. Kind of didn't work that way. But anyway, like you said, it was all learning. And speaking of learning, we've been learning a lot about the rule cyclopedia rules. Uh, okay, so druids, it sounds like, are the only class that can use shields but can't use every type of armor. I see what you're saying. So, because a cleric, they can use every armor and, every, and use shields, whereas, like, a thief... So a thief can't use shields? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, there was a lot of talk on the Audio Dungeon Discord about this, about weapon speeds and two-handed weapons going last in initiative. But even then, you know, you don't have to use your free hand for a two-handed weapon. Like I talked about on Discord and mentioned, you could carry a torch in that hand. And that having a torch in your hand is always helpful because you could use that as a weapon. And then, Jason, as you pointed out, you can also make second attacks. Uh, it's an optional, an optional rule, but you can make a second melee attack at a minus four uh, if you have a weapon in each hand. So, yeah, man, like, we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. I am excited for Daya to get on the board and see how he does <laughs> with his three hit points. I'm ready to rock, though. I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but up next, we're going to talk some more about shields. But we're going to hear from someone where, you know, someone we don't hear from all that often. And it's always a treat when we do. It's very exciting for us here at Hindsightless. When we get calls from Mr. Henchman. That's right. That is right. Goblin's Henchman is on the mic again. And he's got some stuff to say about shields. Although, he's breaking the damn rules. Hi Joe, I know you restricted your request about shields to um, Rules Cyclopedia, Goblin Senchman here, um, but I'm going to break the rules. <laughs> I'm still going to comment on it, even though I've never read Rules Cyclopedia. Um, but in defence of the shields, there's, um, 
it's, it, there's some good bits about it. I mean, some classes can't have the fancy wingding armor, so having a shield gives you that extra one up. Uh, I think uh, armor can often be quite encumbering, heavy, and I think a shield plus some lighter armor works out lighter. Could be wrong. I'm uh, not sure how rule cycle leader handles encumbrance like that. And actually, um, you know, shields are cool. <laughs> we love shields. Um, also, you know, if you get that plus four shield, then you got to, you know, you might have to, you might just have to use it. Um, but actually, there are some more downsides to shields. I should pro should probably not tell you these, but seeing AD and D, um, I believe that. You can only use shields on certain faces. If you you know, if you go to the weapon speed level of AD and D, um, and I don't know if that's encyclopedia, but and I think also you, if it's like a small shield, you can only use it against one opponent. But if it's a like a tower shield, you might be able to use it against three. I, I can't remember it either because you know I don't use it. It's just too too. Um, it got me interested. Maybe I should. But anyway, the point point here is that I think shields um, could even be worse than you think. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from being cool and uh, a light, possibly. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I am allowed to break the rules once, aren't I? All right, cheers, fella. Bye. <laughs> that was an awesome call, dude. So, to be clear, to henchmen and everybody else out there, I love shields. I have nothing against shields. I think they're very cool. I've always liked them from a little kid, you know. My my first He-Man toy I got, my first little He-Man action figure was He-Man, and he came with the shield. Where the hell did that go? I know that was from the original comic books and not really from the um, Filmation cartoon, but he had a shield, and I've just thought shields were really cool. So, yeah, this is not me being anti-shield. This is just me being in... Rule Cyclopedia, I don't think they're that great uh, because uh, I'm pretty sure what Joe Salvador was mentioning in the last episode, Henchman, is that the encumbrance sort of equals out between the armor and the shield. So, like, a lighter armor plus a shield is the same encumbrance as one step up in the armor chain. So, yeah, for Rule Cyclopedia, not so great. But for other, like for Pathfinder, they're great, right? Um, I, I really like them a lot. You can do a lot with them. They're very versatile. And so, yeah, I, I do like shields. They, they do have a downside, though, as you pointed out. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. This is not me hating on, <laughs> hating on shields. There are cool magic shields. Um you know, there are, there's that one, it's in Pathfinder 2, and I imagine it probably dates back to earlier editions, I'm almost positive it does, but it's a shield that has the lion's face, and when you hit somebody with your shield, when you shield bash somebody, the face also bites them, that's dope, that's, that's a really, really cool magic item, uh, yeah, but, Dude, thanks for the call, Henchman. It's always, always great to hear from you. I love it when you call. I love it when you put out episodes. I wish you all the best. And so, yeah, let's get into this session recap because it is Bananas Bononkers. Bananas Bononkers? That's what I just said, folks. <laughs> That's how hectic this last session was. So let's get into it. I know that sometimes I might sound a little lackluster 
on the Curse of the Crimson Throne game that I play in. But last night's session was friggin' epic, man. It was so, so gnarly. Uh, which is surprising, because if you remember back, at the end of the previous session, Templeton was held and unable to act unless he rolled a 15 or better for 10 rounds, basically. And yeah, that's how that initial fight went. I showed up a little late to the session because I knew what it was going to be. That was fine. I thought Jay was like, you'll just be held that whole time. I was like, I would just be held that whole time anyway. (laughs) So showed up a little late, missed a round or two. And yeah, played out exactly how I thought it would play out. Did not roll a 15 or better for the entire time. So on round 11 of the fight, Templeton was able to get back in the mix. (laughs) And that was fine. We ended up that fight. It wasn't too hard. Templeton's in really good shape because while I was held, nobody hit me. The dungeon master didn't send, um, you know, enemies to murder Templeton to death. So that was cool. But okay, now we beat, we beat this room and now we're exploring these other doors You know, we didn't even kill the big bad guy of that room. We knocked him out and tied him up and bound him because he was a spellcaster. So we gagged him, tied him all up and just left him in a corner after we took all the shit. But now we're exploring the rest of this dungeon and we walk into this one room and there is this super creepy, weird Nosferatu looking dude who's getting ready to do an experiment on the kid that we're looking for. And we're like, uh-oh. And th- the thing that blew my mind is our murder hobo fighter, Fleeb, is the one that stepped in the room and was like, hold up, creepy vampire dude. Let's talk. And we ended up <laughs> we ended up talking to this vampire guy, making a deal with him. Because we're like, Fleeb was like, what are you doing? Like, seriously. Like, we know you're doing... It looks like it's all creepy and evil, but what are you actually doing? And he's like, I'm trying to find a cure for vampirism. And we're like, well, right on, man. That's a noble goal. That is a noble goal. What can we do to help you? Now, granted, you can't have this kid. So that's out of the, that's out of the question. But other than that, what can we do to help? And he's like, okay, well, there's this other faction in the dungeon. Uh, they suck. I hate them. And if you guys kick their asses and take this one thing from them. I'll go back to Usulov and do some more research and you know, all will be well. And we're like, that's a great plan. Vampire friend. And (laughs) that's what we decided to do. And it just made me so happy that it was the murder hobo Fleeb who, who brokered this peace treaty with this (laughs) evil as shit vampire, uh, lawful evil though, probably. And yeah, so off we go into the dungeon to help out our new vampire buddy. Open the first door, and he he told us, the vampire told us, because we we asked him, okay, if we're going to do this, like, tell us a little bit. He's like, there's a bunch of cultists, and they're doing weird experiments. Fine, it's fine, go. So we go, open this first door, kick down the first door, and we're in this weird laboratory, and all over the laboratory are, you know, those those big glass tubes you see in sci-fi movies that are filled with liquid. And, like, you know, they, there's a body floating in there. And they're, like, 
you know, genetically engineering something or trying to bring something back to life. Like Luke Skywalker was in one. Anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, and she's the DM is describing the figures in these glass tubes. Uh, they're like weird angel, demon, horse, devil monsters. And we're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what is that? But okay, fine. They're in these tubes. They're not even, we don't even need to worry about them. Let's kill these eight cultists. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, eight cultists. This is going to be kind of a drag. We just fought a bunch of cultists. So, okay, the battle is joined. And as we start whittling these cultists down and taking some damage as we do, getting whittled down ourselves, one of the cultists gets the bright idea, I'm going to go over here and break this tube. So, he runs over there with his scythe, shatters the glass tube. This gross angel, horse, devil, demon monster comes spilling out, followed by a big splash of embryonic fluid and just gross. And the GM does a great job of like describing the grossness. And that was super fun. We're like, ew, nasty, awesome. Okay, so now there's this crazy devil demon horse monster on the field now and now the battle has shifted it's changed flavors right because we're like what the fuck is that thing gonna do it's an unknown it's a free radical um okay the round comes uh, the round goes by Fleeb the fighter he's like screw that cultist that broke that i'm gonna go get him so spends his whole turn moving over to that cultist and the devil demon horse monster now it's the devil demon horse monster's turn and it leans down and bites off the head of the cultist that freed it. And we're like, oh, gnarly. But then turns to Fleeb and rakes his claws into Fleeb and kills him dead. Flat dead. Like, below his con score and negative hit points. Totally dead. And we're like, oh, shit. No problem. We live in a world full of magic. We're in a city where there are temples all over the place with high-level clerics. We just need his body. We're just going to get his body out of here. Not going to be a problem. Fleev is a pretty heavy dude, and the battlefield is in weird shapes. And now it's the demon devil horse monster's turn again. And it vomits up this massive 20-foot square of 20 foot cube of these biting black flies and if you're in the flies at the end of your turn it does a bunch of damage and this 20 foot cube just is now on the battle map totally like dividing us and everything okay so then a bunch of stuff happens we'll cut to the end at the end of the fight <laughs> at the end of the session because the fight's not over at the end of the session Fleeb the fighter is totally dead Kelsier, the sorcerer, is deep into negative hit points, super unconscious and bleeding out, soon to be dead. Penny is about 200 feet running towards safety, back into the parts of the dungeon we've already cleared out. And Templeton is running deeper into the dungeon, into the unknown, with this demon devil horse monster thing, ending the session adjacent to Templeton. And that's where we're at. The party is sundered. The cotet has been broken, man. Like, yeah, we're just going to get Fleeb out of there, be totally fine, and pay a bunch of money, get him resurrected. He might have a negative level. Take care of that. No big deal. But now, no, no. Those options are not available to us. And it was awesome. Everyone played their character how their character would play, making decisions. <laughs> Our sorcerer Kelsier 
he was <laughs> kind of tired of playing his sorcerer Kelsier. Um, not the most effective character ever, and he hadn't been having fun with the character for a while. So he sort of put himself in harm's way a little bit more, you know, suicide by crazy demon devil horse monster, that old that old standby. <laughs> but yeah, so Penny and Templeton are totally separated. Templeton's running into a, a, another room that's probably also full of monsters and bad guys being followed by a massive monster. My hope is to get Demon Devil Horse Monster to eat the other monsters while Templeton runs away, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> anyway, it was an awesome, awesome, super fun session. We made friends with a vampire. The party got decimated. <sighs> More than decimated. I mean, we lost... <laughs> We lost half the party. The other half of the party is completely split. And yeah, that's that's where we're at. We're playing again next week or on March 10th. That's the next session. And I don't know. I, I, I might have to make another character. I might, you know, bring the old half-orc back. He's just been watching the orphanage. Maybe he needs to come back. We'll see. I, it was just crazy. It was the most epic ending to a session I've had maybe ever just the way the party was so split like that. It was really, really cool. Such a gnarly monster. I've never faced a monster like that before. I have no idea what it is. And if it's a pathfinder monster that I'm not even sort of vaguely familiar with, it's a badass monster and it is a badass monster. It's got everything. It's also just a, top it off highly resistant to fire and fairly resistant to acid and those are the only two types of damage that templeton can do with his bomb so i was like oh shit <laughs> awesome anyway that's it for that session recap all right so that's it for this episode but yeah man it was a crazy, crazy session. It was really fun. I know to some folks the idea of like a whole party getting slaughtered by a crazy horse devil demon monster doesn't sound awesome, but it, it really was pretty awesome. <laughs> and it's given me a whole ton of new ideas for new characters. Um, you know, I, Templeton's not dead yet. He's not... There's a 75% chance, so I, I'm going to make a new character just in case. But my question out there to you folks is, have you ever done the thing where a fight's going and then one of the, one of the bad guys can activate a thing to bring in another monster or change the dynamics of a fight? You know, like in that situation, we're fighting a bunch of cultists, and then one of the cultists unleashes this chaos monster onto the battlefield. Do y'all ever do anything like that? Because I thought it was really cool. I don't do it that much, but I really, really like the idea. One of my favorite dungeon masters that I talk about all the time, Demon Act from the amazing animated YouTube series Tales from My D&D Campaign. Um, he does that in a pretty cool way. In actually a very similar way to uh, to that situation where the party is fighting this beholder and also in this laboratory there are giant test tubes filled with gibbering mouthers and every now and then they'll, 
the beholder's disintegration ray will bust one of the tubes and then release one of the mouthers and it'll start attacking the party too. So yeah, do you all ever do any of that? I don't know. Let me know. Anyway, thanks so much to Jason and Goblin's Henchmen for the calls. I really appreciate it, boys. Uh, and yeah, everybody, take care of yourself. My heart goes out to the people of Ukraine. Putin is a terrorist monster who deserves to be put up on war trials and punished for his crimes against humanity. Uh, he's a murderer of children. So yeah, other than that, you know, at least the good part is the whole world knows he's a piece of shit coward now. So that's rad. And the, <laughs> the World Taekwondo Association... Uh, revoked his black belt <laughs> and when my mom texted my sister and I that article my sister just texted back Taekwondo don't <laughs> that's awesome anyway everybody take care of yourselves be cool to your loved ones be cool to yourselves and until next time peace out <laughs>